Today, we're discussing how runners can choose the right running surface to run longer, recover faster, and heal running injuries. Hi, I'm Dr. Christopher Segler, and thanks for tuning in to the Doc on the Run podcast, where we help you understand how to keep training and running even if you've been injured. If I were to ask you to make a list of all the tools that you have that help you run, what would you come up with? Think for a second about the tools that you have at your disposal when you're training for a race. There are really only a few. Now, the first thing that you probably thought about was your running shoes. You might have even thought about your GPS watch and heart rate monitors training tools. Maybe even thought about your training plan, your gym, or the advice of your coach's tools that you use to maximize your fitness. You might have even thought about your nutrition plan or even your blender. But really, in the simplest terms, the most important tools that you have affect your biomechanics and the way your body hits the ground. And for most people, that means running shoes. But the running shoes are really just a buffer between you and the ground. So you have to think about the ground itself moving underneath you as you run. So although most runners don't think about the ground or the specific running surface, it can actually be a tool that you can deliberately choose to either increase or decrease stress if you want to run longer or heal faster. Whether you realize it or not, you probably have already used specific running surfaces to alter the amount of stress when you run. Think about hill repeats. With hill repeats, you just find a steep slope or a surface like a hill, and then you run up and down the hill because it dramatically increases the amount of stress and strain on your muscles. So this is an awesome workout. But this workout, of course, causes tissue damage. But that's the point, because when you rest and you heal, that tissue damage actually makes you stronger. I personally don't really think that there's anything more effective than hill repeats to dramatically increase running specific strength. The point of this is to help you understand that the simplest example of hill repeats is is an example of how running surfaces can affect you. Of course, most runners want to get stronger. No runner wants to get injured, yet it does happen. Overtraining injuries are a fact of life for runners who train hard, so you have to understand these sort of variables of running surfaces that you can identify and then use to your advantage when you're trying to decrease the amount of stress and strain to an injured structure, like when you get an overtraining injury. Now, this could be a metatarsal stress fracture, it could be plantar fasciitis, or even an Achilles tendon injury. But to simplify things in this discussion, we're going to talk about a specific injury just to help you understand how modifying or alternating the running surface can decrease the stress on that particular structure for that particular injury. And once you understand all this, of course, you can just extrapolate it to your particular area of concern. Now, the plantar fascia is the largest ligament in your foot, and it's also the most common cause of foot pain among runners and non-runners alike. And because the plantar fascia starts to hurt on one specific side of the foot, it's a great example to use when discussing running surface selection to decrease stress to a particular structure. So to get started, we're going to define some medical terms. So prepare yourself for about 20 seconds of boring terminology, but I think it'll help you. Now, if you look at your right foot, the inside of your foot toward the arch is what doctors refer to as the medial side of the foot. The outside of your foot where your little toe is, is what doctors refer to as the lateral side of your foot. Now, the anatomic section of the plantar fascia are named according to these terms. So there's actually a medial band on the inside of your foot, a central band in the middle of the foot, and a lateral band of the plantar fascia on the outside of the foot that goes out to the little toe. Now, the inside of the foot near the arch, or the, which would be the left side of your right foot, that's the medial band. And it's the medial band that always gets strained with plantar fasciitis. So when you get plantar fasciitis and you're trying to heal, or if you have had plantar fasciitis and you want to get back to running without stressing and straining the plantar fascia, then you need to decrease the stress and strain to the medial aspect of the foot where that injured structure is. 
One of the most common recommendations doctors seem to make to patients who get plantar fasciitis is to decrease activity. And of course, for a runner, that means to stop running. But by definition, a runner wants to run. So I understand when runners get frustrated because some doctor told them they have to stop running to get their plantar fasciitis to heal. Now, in many cases of plantar fasciitis, I'll tell you that it is possible to run and still heal. The plantar fascia, again, is a, is a ligament and it's irritated, it's inflamed, and, and perhaps it's been strained and even has some micro tears in it, but it still can heal if you can take some simple actions, simple precautions, and decrease the stress to it. And we know that the average non-runner with plantar fasciitis should get better with a proper treatment. And part of the proper treatment focuses on decreasing the stress and strain to the plantar fascia. But we doctors don't expect the person to stop walking. I mean, that'd be silly, right? Now, running certainly causes more stress than walking, but there's a range of force. Just like running is more stressful than walking, running hills is more stressful than running on flat ground. Running fast and landing as a heel striker is more stressful to the plantar fascia than running at a moderate pace and landing as a midfoot striker. Now the first step in figuring out how to run with plantar fasciitis is realizing that you have several variables that can either increase or decrease the amount of stress and strain on the plantar fascia. Once you've identified the variables that stress the plantar fascia, you can manage the forces applied to the plantar fascia. If you decrease the strain below the threshold at which healing can take place, then you should be able to run even while you're treating your plantar fasciitis. Okay, so now we're going to spend another couple of minutes on some other boring medical terms, but stick with me. It will help you understand this whole concept. Pronation is the motion that irritates the injured plantar fascia. Pronation is your body's way of adapting to uneven surfaces and absorbing all that jarring force of gravity when you walk and when you run. As you pronate, the foot moves in three directions, dorsiflexion, eversion, and abduction. And every one of these three directions of movement stretch the plantar fascia. And so it may help you if you can understand each of these individually. When it comes to picking the running surface, it also has a lot to do with where you're running. Like, for example, if you're running on a slope, you have incline or going up a hill, and that causes dorsiflexion. So dorsiflexion is the motion of the foot moving up and away from the ground toward the front of the shin. Dorsiflexion happens when you sit in a chair, keep your heel on the ground, and pull your foot and toes up off the ground. Dorsiflexion also happens when you pull your toes and foot upward to avoid tripping over your toes as your unweighted leg swings forward over the ground at mid-stride. Technically, dorsiflexion also happens when you stand with your foot on flat ground. If your knee is moving forward and your foot is moving closer to the front of the leg, that's also dorsiflexion. When you run up a hill, the steeper the slope, the more you must dorsiflex your foot. The most stress on the plantar fascia happens at the moment that you're running up a hill, your knee moves forward over your foot, and your heel starts to come up off the ground, and the big toe is forcibly flexed. This motion actually tightens the plantar fascia to its maximum tension. When this extraordinary tension on the plantar fascia is coupled with the force of propelling your entire body weight up the slope, the strain can stretch the plantar fascia to the point of tearing. Now, running on hills is the first thing you should eliminate when trying to run with plantar fasciitis. So if you stick with flat ground, you can mitigate the dorsiflexion component of pronation. Now, the next thing to consider with surface selection is side slope or the slope of the road. And what this does is it affects the inversion component, which is the tilting of your heel bone and your foot from side to side. You really have to consider the slope of the road to consider the sideways tilting of the foot adapting to that sloping ground. If you stand on the side of a hill and you face across the slope, not facing uphill or downhill, your foot uphill will pronate and your downhill foot will supinate. 
The difference is the direction of tilt of the heel bones. So the medical or biomechanical term for the inward and outward tilting of the heel bones are calcaneal inversion and calcaneal eversion. So calcaneus is the medical term for the heel bone. So when we say calcaneal, that's just an adjective that pertains to the heel bone. Inversion refers to the tilting of the base of the heel toward the midline of the body. And eversion is the opposite of that, which is just tilting of the base of the bone away from the midline of the body. So if you consider those terms, when you're standing facing across the slope, the downhill foot is inverted, the ankle is rolling outward, the heel bone is tilting inward, and the base of the heel bone is toward the midline. So the foot is supinated, which is decreasing the stress and tension on the plantar fascia on that foot. Now, the opposite's happening on the uphill foot. The uphill foot is everted, the ankle is tilting inward, the heel bone is tilting outward, with the base of the heel bone away from the midline. So the uphill foot is pronated, which is actually increasing the stress and tension on the plantar fascia on that foot. This is the Doc on the Run podcast. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What's a virtual doctor visit? The idea of not running at all while waiting for my foot to heal was simply depressing. I really needed a second opinion from an expert, someone who specializes in helping runners. What you'll get from Dr. Segler, in my experience, is expert runner and medical care that's individualized for your needs. I'm left with actionable steps to recover from my injury. Dr. Segler is different, and I felt heard, didn't feel patronized, and I felt like he prioritized getting me back to running as soon as possible as much as I did. I just couldn't see sitting around for six weeks knowing my hard-earned fitness would vanish. I know Dr. Segler is an expert, and I wanted to see him in person. But frankly, I just couldn't afford the cost of a house call. I saved enough money to pay for my next marathon registration. You know, have an appointment with Dr. Segler, whether it's via Skype or on the phone. You can expect, one, he's going to be on time. Two, he's going to be able to spend more time with you than the typical uh, visit in a doctor's office. And both of those are going to result in a more effective diagnosis and treatment plan for you. I'm a young woman in the Philippines, and I hurt my ankle yesterday. I just wanted to say thank you, and that it's such a relief to be able to find a website like yours and get some information when I'm in a place with uh, little to no medical care. So I just wanted to call and say thank you. You're awesome. Book a virtual doctor visit and get a second opinion online today. Welcome back to the Doc on the Run podcast. All right, so I know this is pretty boring for most people. I mean, I understand. I like. I think um, running biomechanics is really interesting, but when I hear all this stuff and I read it myself, I actually get a little bit bored too. So the point of this is not to bore you with jargon. The point is to make it clear that um, one slope makes the plantar fascia worse, but one slope can actually put the foot in a position that decreases the stress on the plantar fascia, and that can help it heal faster. Now, you probably already know that most running surfaces slope. The slope of the road is designed to allow rainwater to run off the driving surface and drain through the gutter. And the center line is painted at the peak or the crown of the road. It's in the very middle of the road. And in that location, the surface is basically flat. This is why many marathon training manuals recommend running in the middle of the road during a marathon. Running on one side or the other of the road puts an extra strain on the structures of the foot and ankle particularly like the plantar fascia that we're talking about. So if you run at the far right of the road with your back to traffic, that has you running along a slight slope. And the right foot is supinated, the heel bone is inverted, the stress on the right plantar fascia is decreased. Now the opposites happen on left foot. The left foot is pronated, the heel bone is everted, and the stress on the left plantar fascia is increased. You've probably also realized that sidewalks are also tilted toward the gutter to allow the rainwater to run off into the gutter and drain away. 
So if instead of running on the road, you run on the sidewalk at the right side of the road with your back to traffic, you're running along a slope and the slope on the sidewalk is the opposite of the street. So in that case, the left foot is supinated, the heel bone's inverted and the stress on the left plantar fascia is decreased. The right foot's pronated, the heel bone is everted and the stress on the right plantar fascia is increased. So why is that important? Well, most runners are creatures of habit. We, we often run on the same routes on the same side of the road in the same direction day after day for whichever distance fits our training schedule. Knowing what helps or hurts the plantar fascia in your routine can be the difference between running and limping. Now, many runners have a rule of always facing traffic when they run in the road. The main reason for this, of course, is to avoid getting hit by a car. But running at the edge of the roadway facing traffic can place an excess strain on the right plantar fascia. But again, at the same time, it decreases the stress on the left plantar fascia. So if your left plantar fascia happens to be the one that is aching, then you should run at the edge of the road facing traffic. But if instead you have plantar fasciitis on the right foot, you should not run in the road facing traffic, but you could keep facing traffic, simply hop on the sidewalk, reverse the slope, invert the right heel, supinate the right foot, and that is going to decrease the stress on the plantar fascia and help it heal. Now to decrease the stress on the right plantar fascia, you can either run on the right side of the road with your back to traffic or on the left sidewalk facing traffic. In cases with plantar fasciitis on the left foot, run on the left side of the road facing traffic or on the right sidewalk with your back to traffic. One special hazard to keep in mind when running on the sidewalk are the driveway cutouts. Now, these sharp little slopes as the driveway is cut through the sidewalk can be as much as 30 degrees. So you have to make sure that you're careful to avoid that abrupt drop-off and jarring pronation of landing on the edge of the driveway cutouts. All right, now rotation is the last of the three forces related to pronation. It's abduction. Now, abduction is another medical term, and it just means outward rotation of the foot relative to the leg. So a duck abducts its feet when it waddles along. Now, most humans abduct only as they pronate, and the abduction is more pronounced when a rotational force is applied, like when you're changing direction. So the most common way this happens is when you're changing direction around a corner and you're pushing off when you run. Now think about running around a left-hand turn, such as a curve on a running track. As you run the curve, you're leaning slightly to the inside of the curve to the left, and your left foot is internally rotating underneath you as you overtake the leg and push off toward the right. The right leg externally rotates, but also pushes off toward the right or the outside of the curve. So as you round the curve, the external rotation of the leg beneath you causes the right foot to pronate. As the foot pronates, the right arch lowers, and that lengthens the distance between the heel bones and the base of the big toe. And as the foot elongates, the plantar fascia becomes taut, stretching out to resist the load of the foot as it rolls inward under the force of pronation. In contrast, the internal rotation on the left foot causes the left foot to supinate. So the left arch heightens, shortens the distance between the heel bone and the base of the big toe. And because the plantar fascia spans these structures, acting like a bowstring, the supination lets the left plantar fascia relax. Now, one direction around a curve increases the stress on one plantar fascia, while one direction decreases the strain on the other plantar fascia. So you can use this knowledge when you run to decrease the amount of force to the injured plantar fascia. So if your left foot is the one suffering from plantar fasciitis, you're in luck. All you have to do is run the conventional counterclockwise pattern around your local jogging track. Now, if you run in one of the outside lanes, you'll spend a larger percentage of the distance on the curves hence capitalizing on the rotational forces that can give your plantar fascia a break. 
If you're a fan of math, you can actually calculate the distance of running in each lane. So there's a very specific uh, formula that you can use to calculate the distance around the track for the various lanes. If you're not a fan of math equations, then all you need to know is that in lane one, the inside lane is typically 400 meters. Lane eight, the outside lane is about 450 meters. So if you run in lane one, you spend about 50% of your time in the curve and about 50% on the straights. If you run in lane eight, you're going to spend an extra 50 meters on the curves for each lap around the track. So if you want to decrease your running distance while simultaneously decreasing the stress on the plantar fascia, you can stay wide and run in lane eight, and you'll have a higher percentage of the time using that supination to your advantage. So if your right foot is the one with plantar fasciitis, you have to run the track in reverse. Unless you're there alone, it's better to stay in one of the outside lanes because it's just plain rude to run in the wrong direction in lane one. I can promise you, you won't make any friends doing that. But nobody's going to care if you're running clock side in one of the outside lanes seven and eight because most people don't use those lanes. Now keep in mind that running on a track to decrease the stress on the plantar fascia is only helpful if you have plantar fasciitis on one foot. If you have plantar fasciitis on both feet, it's just not really helpful because you're kind of increasing the force in one direction, decreasing it in the other. But you want to avoid these like um, end ranges of stress and strain when you have an injured structure, like when you get plantar fasciitis. The key to running with plantar fasciitis is to maximize every opportunity to lessen the stress and strain on your injured but healing plantar fascia. So what do you do? Well, obviously stay on flat ground and avoid hills because that takes out the dorsiflexion component. Look for a track and then run in the direction that's going to supinate your foot and help your injured plantar fascia to heal faster by uh, decreasing the irritation and stress and strain on the plantar fascia. So one question I get from runners all the time is, well, how do I tell if I'm doing this right? Well, the simplest way is to assess whether or not your strategy is working by comparing your pain level and your frequency of painful episodes over the course of time. The most accurate way is to track your pain and correlate it to road surface conditions and keep a pain journal. Okay, let's give an example of that. So let's say that right now you run on a flat jogging path and you sense a small but notable amount of pain in the left heel and arch with every single foot strike. If you then alter your route and you run on the street at the edge of the road facing traffic, you might only feel the heel pain occasionally. If you're really fortunate, you may notice that your heel pain and arch pain instantly vanishes. In either case, it's likely that you found a routine that's going to supinate the left foot enough to relax the plantar fascia and permit you to run without further damage to the plantar fascia. If you don't get this kind of immediate feedback, however, don't give up. You can still make a judgment call by keeping a pain journal. Now, one simple way runners do this is by adding a column to their training log. You can rate your pain on a scale of 1 to 10. Note how many times you felt the pain during the run. If you only noticed the pain a few times, note how many miles it took before you noticed it. If the number of painful moments decreases, you're on the right track. If you supinate your foot by running on a running surface and it takes more miles before you start noticing pain during your run, this is another indication that you're on the right track. In addition to the immediate feedback to determine how much heel pain you have when you run, you should also assess how you feel after your run. If you're running and placing too much stress on the plantar fascia, you may not have pain during the run, but you may have pain later on. Delayed onset pain in the heel and arch results from an accumulation of inflammatory fluid within the tissue. The process begins during the run and it continues for hours afterwards. So if the inflammation is significant enough, you might notice some throbbing in the heel and arch in the evening while you're relaxing on those days that you've run. And some runners will, they'll say that they don't have any pain during the run or later that day, but they'll notice a substantial increase in the sort of morning pain level because they've had inflammation that uh, was trying to heal all that tissue damage while they're sleeping. And then they get up, step out of bed, and it hurts a lot. 
If you currently have pain that you would rate as a 5 out of 10 when you step out of bed in the morning and then you run on a supinated surface, your first step out of bed may drop to a pain level of like a 2 or 3 out of 10. Monitoring your morning pain level is an important indicator of whether or not you're doing enough to decrease the stress on the plantar fascia when you're running. If you run on a supinated surface and you feel certain that your heel pain is getting worse, you might want to experiment and run in the opposite direction. It might simply just be that you're, you're pronating the wrong foot. If this happens, don't feel bad. I've actually tutored some brilliant medical minds on running biomechanics, and I've seen some very smart people get these things backwards. But if you're confident in your assessment, keep running while you treat your plantar fasciitis. Continue to monitor your pain level, making note of how far you run on a given surface. Once you're fully healed, you can likely go back to your old routine and your favorite running routes. If you have an injury other than plantar fasciitis, all you have to do is take the information that you just learned and apply it to your specific injury so that you can decrease the stress and strain, choose the best running surface, run longer, and heal faster. If you have a question that you would like answered as a future edition of the Doc on the Run podcast, send it to me, and then make sure you join me in the next edition of the Doc on the Run podcast. Thanks again for listening.